Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. And I want to welcome our children to Big Church. It's great to have you guys here. And if you're, if you're a guest here with us this morning, I want to welcome you. It's great to have you. Uh, this church is all about bringing people from outside, inside, so they can understand more about what God believes. You know, the Christmas story didn't start with an angel visiting Mary. The Christmas story actually happened months before when an angel came to visit an old couple who couldn't have children. And the angel said to the old couple, I bring you great news. You're going to have a child. And he's going to be a child that's going to precede the Messiah. And he's going to announce the way of the Messiah coming. And their names was Elizabeth and Zachariah. And what a perfect story because during that time, if you were an old person and you didn't have children, there was a, there was a message circulating that God was against you. You were cursed and you couldn't have children. And by the angel coming, he was saying, no, you're not cursed. God's favor is with you. It's a perfect story. Because it preceded the, the story when Jesus came and began his ministry because he went around telling people about the fact that you may feel cursed, you may feel like God's mad at you, but he's not. He's actually in your favor. It's a perfect story. And then an angel came to visit Mary. And the scriptures tell us she was a teenager, 14 years old, and the angel said to her, Mary, you are favored by God. And she must have thought to herself, I'm 14 years old. What, what could God possibly see in me? I'm a teenager. That I should be favored by God. And what a perfect story because it precedes what Jesus would announce as he ran his ministry that people who didn't deserve to be favored by God were favored by God. People who were young and old. And then it didn't stop there. As the story continues, there were shepherds the night that Jesus was born and they were in a field. And shepherds during that time were a people that were outcasts. They would tend for the flocks. They were outside of the religious systems because shepherds had to tend to animals that sometimes had died. And the religious system said to them that they were unclean. And so they became very cynical. We provide the, the food, we provide the sheep, we provide for you and your religious system so you can have sacrifices, yet we're ostracized and left out. We're outsiders because we're considered unclean. And the first ones who the angels announced Jesus' birth was to the shepherds, the outsiders. And the angel came and illuminated and says, I bring you tidings of great joy because a Savior has been born and he's been born to you. And again, it precedes Jesus' ministry that he was going to go to the outsiders first and proclaim a message of hope and of love. But the reality of it is it's a perfect story, but it's almost too perfect. It's so perfect that we begin to ask questions, did it really happen? 
And everywhere we look, we see the perfect gift that God wants to give us, but we lose our faith, and this makes it even worse. Because everywhere we go, we're reminded of this scene. And if you think about it, here's Jesus. He's light-skinned, light-haired, blue eyes. What Palestinian child is light-skinned, blue eyes, and blonde hair? And ask any woman in this room, if you had a baby in this building and no epidural, you wouldn't look like this. <laughs> and as much as we look like the song, it wasn't a silent night. But look at the animals, the hair of the people, it's perfect. But it doesn't seem real. It seems like a cartoon. It seems like a myth or a fable or a fairy tale. And for us as children, we grow up and we believe in Jesus and the birth of Jesus. But as we get older, we look at this scene, as we look in people's lawns and in different places, and we see this scene and we say, I don't know if I believe it anymore. But to the rescue comes Matthew and Luke because they tell us, this isn't a myth, this isn't a fable, this is something incredible that's happened. See, because Matthew knew Jesus, he, he was called by Jesus, he walked with Jesus for years, and he was able to, to take note and write down what happened. He knew Mary, Jesus' mother, he knew the other followers, John and he was able to see and take note of what happened. And look at how Matthew begins his story as he tells about Jesus. He says this in Matthew 1.1, this is the genealogy of the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he said, Abraham had a son who had a son who had a son. And sometimes you and I, we get bored when we read this genealogy. But the reason why Matthew said it is I want you to understand that Jesus is somebody who came from a line of, of important people. Because this isn't a story. This isn't a fable. This isn't a fairy tale. This is history that ties back thousands of years. And Matthew verifies it name by name, person by person. And then Luke, he's a doctor. And he says this in the beginning of his gospel story, and he says this, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have yet to been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom they were first eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord, of the Word. And what, what Luke is saying here is this, I did a thorough investigation, and this didn't happen 100 years later or 50 years later. This happened during the time that these things took place. See, Luke met Mary, and he asked Mary, Mary, how did it happen? Luke met the other followers, and he made sure he verified that everything checked out. And as he told the story, the incredible thing that Luke does is he ties the birth of Jesus with history. 
And he said, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. See, Luke went to all this trouble so that you and I, thousands of years later, could be certain of what we believe and know that this took place. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a cartoon. It's history. And look how Luke ties it in with history. In those days, Caesar Augustus, an actual Caesar that you can take extra biblical material and historical records and track, he was the first Caesar of the Roman Empire. And it happened exactly during the time that the Bible says it happened. Interesting story, he was the first Caesar and Julius Caesar was his father and he was claimed to be a deity, his father was. And so Caesar Augustus was, quote, for the Romans, a son of a deity, a son of a god. And during that very time when a son of a god was ruling the world, the son of God was born. And it says here that he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And then he goes on and says, this was the first census that took place when Canerius, who was governor of Syria, and everyone went there to his own town. Once again, he ties in, there was a governor of Syria who had more than one census. He had two. And you can again reference the proof in extra-biblical history that this governor did in fact reign during this time. And he did in fact call for two census. And we'll read it from the scriptures because it's only appropriate that we open our Bibles this morning. And then he goes on and says this in verse 4. So Joseph went up to the town, as he was ordered to, Nazareth and Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And we see here as Luke tells this amazing, amazing story and there were the shepherds, there were kings, this amazing announcement, the perfect story, the perfect gift. And so I wanna ask you as you grow older, what if it's true? What if it, it went down exactly as Luke and Matthew described it? How does that affect our lives? See, it's not something we should celebrate at this time of the year, or once a day or once a season. It should be something that we celebrate throughout the year. Because as you saw in the video, it's this. 
As the angels proclaim, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. See, this is an incredible announcement because it's not for a few people, it's for all people. It's for Zachariah and Elizabeth, for people just like them who felt outside of God's favor, for Mary who questioned, why would even God consider me? Who am I? I'm too young. It's Jesus' message. It's the perfect story. It's the perfect gift. What if it's true? What effect will this have on your life and family? And I just want to encourage you with these little things that I've shared with you this morning, I want to encourage you to get in the Bible. Read the scriptures for yourself. Read and read it to your children. So they'll understand there's much more to this than a nativity scene or buying gifts. It's an amazing gift that a Savior came. See, because today we celebrate. We celebrate not a second chance. We celebrate the fact that we have a Savior. Because you and I, we're sinners. We're not mistakers, we're sinners. You say, well, how do I know that you're a sinner? I know that you're a sinner because you don't even keep your own rules. You break your own rules. You can't even keep the rules that you establish for yourself. So if you can't keep your own rules, how in the world are you gonna keep God's rules? See, I'm a sinner. And I didn't need a second chance. I need a savior. A savior that came for me Savior that came for you and you and you and you and you and you way in the back and for all of your children who are sitting here in the front row. See, it's the perfect gift. It's the Christmas gift. And I want to encourage you today to celebrate what God has given you and cherish it in your heart. It's the perfect story. In fact, it's, it's more than the perfect story. It's a true story. How do I know it's true? Because for the last 28 years, it's changed my life. It's blessed my life. And right now, we're going to take the communion. And not too long ago, someone asked me, so why do you take, why do you take communion every week? It just seems like a ritual. It doesn't seem special. And my reply was, because I need communion every week. Because every week I'm in need of a reminder that I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. Because I wasn't perfect this past week. Oh, I want to be, but I wasn't. And so that's what we celebrate today in this season. And I hope that you will celebrate, and not just during this Christmas season, but for the rest of your life. And that you reflect on how you're living and what you're doing with your life. It's the perfect story. It's the perfect gift. And that's what makes it the perfect Christmas. Let me pray for you.
Our Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for Matthew. Thank you for Luke. Thank you that they went to great lengths to share with us the incredible gift, the truth about what happened. And we pray that this Christmas we can come to faith as adults and what we believe. God, thank you for sending a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus here on this earth to teach us how to live and most of all, to die for us, to give his life for us so that we can get our sins forgiven and we can get a new start over and over. God, we love you and we're so grateful that we can remember now Jesus, his body and his blood and what you've done for us. Bless each one of us. Help us to cherish the perfect gift, Christ, Savior of the world, our Savior, our Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Bless this communion. Amen.